0: Well, somebody say praise the Lord this morning. Come on, give Jesus one more big hand. And give your neighbor a high five. Tell him you're looking good this morning. And you may be seated. Well, praise the Lord. God's good, isn't he? Well, I just got note, uh, just between the services, my wife sent me a text from Johannesburg, and the team of 14 just landed, so they're on an adventure of a lifetime there in Africa. They're going to be ministering in a lot of villages, uh, so anyway, it be a real cool experience for them. So pray for them the next 10 days, and pray for me as I become Mr. Mom. Praise the Lord. Hey, Wednesday, I had an opportunity to go with probably hundreds of thousands of, of Americans and celebrate Chick-fil-A Appreciation Day. Um, I, I, I tried to get the cow to come to church on Sunday, but he, I was informed he didn't work Sundays. So what, I got this little guy instead. I don't know that they can zoom in on it, but here's the little cow waving at you, and he's saying, eat more chicken. Anyway, Thursday, uh, Wednesday rather, I was in Tyler. I was out of town with some friends on some business, and I went into a Chick-fil-A. When I got there, there was about 100 people standing in line. And it was it was a, it was a an, it was almost like being in church. Now we didn't worship, we didn't talk about Jesus per se, but there was just a sense that that something's going on here. That this is a this is the silent majority beginning to speak up. And you know, in line, uh, I waited. An, I've never waited an hour in line for fast food, but we waited in line for an hour. People gave me French fries all through the line. I don't know if it was because I was nice or because they were to be nice. But uh, anyway, I ate French fry. I didn't hear anybody talk hatefully towards people who believed in same-sex marriage. Uh, people were laughing. They were jovial. Uh, when, when it was over uh, and I went outside, there were about 150 people in line. And I got in the, the vehicle, and my friend was a pastor. He said, I just feel like this is a historic day. I just feel like, as I said, the silent majority is waking up. And you know, there's there's people that are, are good people on the other side of the issue uh, that really are, were against what uh, what we did as we stood for biblical values on Wednesday. And I just felt like they were awaking a sleeping giant. And uh, that's the church. That's the people of God who were saying, you know what? We're tired of being bullied in America for for things that aren't are, we hold dear to us you know we don't want to be bullied in our health care and be told that we have to provide abortion coverage the morning after pill the week after pill in our health care plans if we choose not to so we live in a different day in america and i'm gonna talk about that this morning because i can assure you not everybody feels the way that i do and probably most of you do about chick-fil-a appreciation day want to show you a little video that a guy did kind of a self video he put on youtube that was filmed in tucson and uh... then we'll, we'll talk about this i've entitled the message eat more chicken Welcome to America. He was the chief financial officer of a corporation there in Tucson, and uh, he got fired the next day for bullying that little girl in the in the uh, the counter. Now, I, I, I want to talk about him this morning. I want to talk about the president of of uh, Chick Fil A, Dan Cathy, and I'm going to challenge you this morning how to how to as Christians, how we should convey what we believe and love people at the same time. That, let many know, the phrase that we're looking for is, speak the truth in love. That we're not trying to come across as somebody better than you or, 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 or anything like that. But we want to talk about speaking the truth in love. Now, let me paint the picture a little broader. You probably know a lot of this, but the uproar started over chicken... When the president of Chick-fil-A simply said these words, and he was being interviewed by a Baptist publication, he said, I'm guilty as charged for backing the biblical definition of family. I'm guilty for believing what the Bible says about marriage. And that's what started all this uproar over chicken in America. Now, that was his personal opinion, not company policy regarding hiring and regarding serving people in their restaurants. Here's their official policy. It says that they are to treat every person with honor, dignity, and respect regardless of their belief, race, creed, sexual orientation, or gender. So they're not trying to say that, you know, we're going to treat you different because you believe different than us. Uh, but he simply was exercising his right to, to spe- free speech in, in his opinion. Now, after he said that, you know, feathers began to fly. Uh, Mayors of some of the large cities in America said, Listen, you're not coming to our town. If you're here, we want you out. Uh, it was an uproar. I mean, it was just—it became very vile. Very interesting, though. Legal scholars began to tell these mayors that what you're doing, mayors, are, is discrimination. You cannot do that. You cannot tell a business based on the personal views, the free speech rights of the owner that uh, that they can't locate in your in your area. Uh, even the ACLU came out in support of the free speech rights of Dan Cathy. Now, very interesting. What's going on in our world today? On Wednesday, they said they had record sales, and uh, it was a big, big day as people of faith came out in support of a Christian brother and said, you know what, we're going to stand for one another, we're going to stand for values that we share because we're kind of tired of being bullied around. Now, having said that, I want to talk about Christians' culture in chicken. Christians, culture, and chicken. Now, last week, and let me kind of tie this together. Last week, we looked in the Scripture in Timothy, and we talked about how we know the difference between right and wrong. How you as an individual, how you as a, as a business owner, you that work for someone, how you that as a, as a teenager, how you can know right from wrong. And again, last week as we shared, you can look at that on on our website if you want to. But we talked about the fact that right and wrong is not just determined by what we feel or what we think. It's not just determined by the majority. It's not just determined by the Supreme Court. But right and wrong is determined literally by God and the Scripture. And that's uh, what the Bible says. All Scripture is inspired by God. It corrects us when we're wrong. And say it with me, it teaches us what to do is right. The Bible corrects us when we are wrong, teaches us to do what's right. Now, uh, so today what we're seeing being played out in Chick-fil-A's this past week was simply a culture war that America is involved in uh, between those who believe the Bible and those who don't. And that's what we see going on in America today, particularly with this issue regarding same-sex marriage. Now, and again, as I said, I want to talk to you this morning about how we as Christians uh, Relate to people who don't share our biblical beliefs. And the phrase I'm going to use is, speak the truth in love. There's two things that's very important. We're going to emphasize the loving part because that is our motivation. I'm not self-righteous. I'm not condemning. uh, I'm not somebody talking down to you. I'm not a bully. But on the other hand, I love you enough to tell you the truth. And it's those two coming together, speaking the truth in love, that uh, we're going to focus on this morning. Let me give you a quick review, though, of the biblical view of marriage. Uh, Several weeks ago, actually it was May 19th, I shared a message called, Who Makes the Rules? After our president came out in support of same-sex marriage, I thought we would just go to the Bible together and see what the Bible says, Genesis to Revelation, about the subject of marriage, uh, who can marry with God's blessing, what sexual sins are, what's right, what's wrong. Let me just give you two scriptures kind of as a reminder. On marriage, the Bible's very clear. It says, for this reason, a man will, say it with me, leave his father and mother and be united to his... A man united to his wife becoming one flesh. Very clear. That's not an isolated scripture. That scripture, that truth, follows through the pages of the whole Bible. Jesus mention that same scripture genesis 224 when he was asked about marriage uh... paul the apostle when he taught about it it's become the foundation of western civilization that marriage is between a man and a woman and of course political correctness in modern-day america wants to to change that and the bible is also very clear about what is appropriate and what is inappropriate in terms of our sexual behavior the bible blesses the sexual union between a man and a woman uh, but but outside of that the Bible's very clear it calls it sin. Now listen to First Corinthians six verse nine. It says, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now that's pretty strong when God says He's gonna say, Call some people righteous and some wicked, and if you're wicked you won't and the kingdom of God, of course, is not just now, but it's eternal. So very, very serious. And then he lists a, a depiction of the lifestyle of those that uh, would be called wicked. He said, neither the sexually immoral, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders will inherit the kingdom of God. So that's Bible. Whether we choose to believe it or not, that's the teachings of the Bible. But how me know whether or not I believe something is not what makes it true. In America today, we're kind of conditioned almost from birth that whatever I want, that's what's right. Whatever feels good to me, that I have, something may be right for you, but that doesn't make it right for me. Uh, Perhaps you've heard kids as they grow up, you know, and they become teenagers and say, well, Mom, that may be right for you, but that's not the way that I'm going to live. This is right for me. Well, that's not the way it works. God's Word presents itself, and one day we'll find out if it's true or not. I mean, one day, what we believe by faith. But how many know everybody believes by faith? See, the unbeliever has faith that what we're saying is false. The unbeliever has faith to believe that everything... Listen, nothing created everything for no purpose. That's what the unbeliever believes. They look at seashells on top of mountains and say, well, you know, they just kind of... They don't have answers for things, but they have a lot of faith. But they're believing in the wrong thing. You and I are putting our trust and our hope in the eternal Word of God. So that's just a little bit of review there. You could go back and and listen to that if you're interested. But with that background, I want to talk about how we as Christians treat people who disagree with the Bible. It's any subject in particular, but particularly as we think about what America is talking about now, same-sex marriage. I want you to go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24. And the phrase we're going to use again is, speak the truth in love. Can you say that with me? Speak the truth in love. And there's two portions to this. It's the truth, and then it's in love, and that is our attitude, that's our motivation, that's, uh, that's our feelings, that's the way we treat people. Now, verse 24, a servant of the Lord which is what I hope we are, must not quarrel, but be what? Kind to everyone. everyone. Secondly, be able to teach. And then next, we're to be patient with difficult people. Now, I'm sure the girl that was in the video was trained by her company of how to respond to customers. Well, how many know the Bible's trying to teach us now how we're to respond to people when we talk to people who disagree with a clear biblical position? So be kind to them, be patient. And then it says, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Now the word truth is involving itself again, and it's very important in Scripture. And this answers the why. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts... And they 'll learn, so this is the object of why we would treat people that that uh, uh, and as I said, the guy in the video, I hope you move from clapping that he got fired, you know and he deserved it i 'm glad the company did it to compassion for him because he 's living in a darkened state i mean he 's not ex- been exposed to truth, something's happened to him either personally or something's went on in his life that he would behave in that fashion. But the Bible goes on to say in verse 26, Then they'll come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they've been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Now, I want you to think with me just a second. This last verse is pretty profound. Now, in the world today that has tried to cleanse our culture of God also has to cleanse our culture from the devil and evil. But friends, no matter what the world may try to do, he's still out there. And you can clearly know that's true by what happened in Aurora, California when that crazy guy went in there and began killing people. I guarantee you he was motivated by evil. And I may speak about that next week, about how how demons and demonic influence and evil influences people in our world that's around us today. It was a very, very, very biblical topic. But back to what it says here, that they'll come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap that somehow the scripture says that Satan has the ability to hold people captive so that he can get them to do whatever he wants them to do. Now, that's a pretty profound statement. That implies to us very clearly that when people have adopted an unbiblical position in life and they're standing very strongly for it, they're a pawn in the devil's hand that they're not even aware of it, but Satan is using them. And what God wants us to do is to be kind and to be gentle and to instruct them so that they can turn around, so that they can come to their senses and begin to follow God and follow truth rather than resist it. Now, but in the spirit that we're supposed to communicate this is, in, is I said, it's in love. We speak the truth in love to people. We're not self-righteous. We're not condemning. Come on, we shouldn't be talking down to people, but we should treat them with honor and respect, even if they may not feel like that we they they, they, they deserve it. Because people respond to love a whole lot quicker, come on, than, than they do to than they do to judgment and they do to criticism. Because lest you forget, it is clear that the Bible says homosexuality is a sin, but there's also a lot of heterosexual sexual sins that I guarantee you everyone, including myself, have struggled with or struggle with today. Adultery. That's sex between somebody that's married, wanting to have sex with someone else. Uh, 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 Premarital sex, having sex before you're married. Uh, Fornication, that's kind of what it talks about, sex when you're not married. Pornography. Jesus took it further. Jesus said, if you have lust in your heart towards a woman, uh, it's the same as adultery. So uh, you don't have to raise your hand, but pretty much everybody's guilty in this arena before God. It's not just, quote, gay people and straight people. I mean, no, everybody has struggles before God. Come on, we're all sinners. I mean, so let's kind of get rid of, you know, any sense of self-righteousness. We're not coming across because we're better than somebody. But we do want to come across in a loving way what the truth is and to rescue someone that's been snared. See, there's something powerful about this truth about love. Last week, Pastor Mike and I, went to conferences I shared with you called Indivisible and James Robinson put on it was about America. Uh, it was a tremendous, tremendous time. I heard from everyone in the evangelical world, the charismatic world, uh, Catholic priests, Jewish rabbis, all talking, all people who believed that there is one true God and uh, America's in trouble. Anyway, we've got those books as I've been mentioning to you, Indivisible. You could buy one. I even got some to loan in the lobby. It's, it, could, it could literally be life-changing in terms of America. But when we were up there, there was a, a Baptist preacher from Florida. Florida, and he shared this testimony. He was one of the large Florida cities, and he said, each month we do an outreach to prostitutes. And he said, we'll have as many as 300 prostitutes come to our church. He said, we'll give them manicures, we'll do pedicures, uh, we feed them, we help them with hygiene, health care, anything that we can do to simply say that, w- that we love you and God loves you. And he said, a couple of the gals started coming to church. And uh, he began to dialogue with them a little bit. And, uh, and they said, well, Pastor, we've always known the church is here. I mean, how could you hide that big building? We just didn't know if you loved whores like us. What not you think about that. We knew you were there. We just didn't know if you loved whores like us. Now, how many know everybody has blemishes in their life? And just because you have to come to church doesn't mean you're free of blemishes. But what God wants us to do is to be able to love people right where they are and see them as someone who has been deceived, snared, taken captive in a bad, tough spot, and they need God to set them free. That's what, that's what church is supposed to be about. That's when I say we speak the truth in love. That's what we're supposed to be about. Unless you think I'm just a preacher talking. Uh, let me ask you this. Are homosexuals welcome here at Church on the Rock? Absolutely. Absolutely. As long as they're going to be seeking after God, just like we that are adulterers. Viewing pornography, living with somebody that's not your spouse, everybody's welcome. Now, listen, you can't, you can't, if you're living in open sexual sin, you can't be a leader. You can't serve. There's not a place here for public displays of affection. I don't care if your teenager's hiding in the corner kissing on your girlfriend or two gay people wanting to kiss you. you know, that's not accepted. But as far as being welcomed here, if you want to seek after God, come on. Everybody's welcome in the house of God because, because church church is a hospital for sinners just like you and I Amen. and unless and you think that I'm just kind of talking here uh, talking here in some ethereal way let me tell you a little true story it happened not many years ago I got a call from a church member and uh, one of their family members was had been in the gay lifestyle for quite a while uh, uh, he had a, a partner and uh, he had contracted AIDS and was dying and they wanted me to come and visit and anyway I get there and uh, you could tell he's he's in the latter stages of the disease. He looks it. He's on all the drug regimens, you know, not fully kind of coherent there. But we're talking, and uh, uh, you know, I talk to him about Jesus. I'm talking to him about his soul. He's about to meet God. Are you ready to meet God? You need to get your life right with Christ. He keep bringing up his partner. I'd keep saying, let's not think about that right now. Right now, you need to decide where Jesus Christ is going to be in your life. He's either going to be the, your Lord and Savior, or you're going to tell him you don't want him. Well, after we got done, you know, he asked me to pray for him and I, we embraced. And, I, you know, I felt those warm tears on my neck. And uh, I just thought, well, I just hope God touches his heart. Two weeks later, he moved back home, started coming to church. And I want to tell you, our church embraced him. He was baptized, people celebrated. And about two years after that, we had his homecoming to Jesus when he had his funeral. Now, I want to tell you, that's the way church is supposed to be. It's supposed to help people. Who, are in, who, who have blemishes in life, like all of us do, come into a relationship with God because somebody loved them and another loved them enough to tell them the truth. Come on, give the Lord a good a good hand this morning. <laughs> now, Mark chapter six. Let's go to the second part of this statement. We talked about our motivation speaking the truth in love, but now let's talk about literally speaking the truth. Mark six verse seventeen. I'm going to give you two scriptures this morning on this idea of speaking the truth. Because that's exactly what Dan Cathy did. Verse 17, uh, a story about John the Baptist. Uh, John the Baptist, of course, a a prophet, a herald for Christ. Uh, He's speaking to the king. And notice when he's speaking to the king, it's not like in America where we have some representative form of government and we have civil rights. None of that. Herod had given orders to have John the Baptist arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. Now, stay with me, verse 18. For John had been saying to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So, here we've got a situation where a guy married his sister-in-law, and what John's words were were basically this. John was saying from the book of Leviticus forbids this type marriage to take place, and he had the courage to tell the king the truth. And the king got so mad, of course, he put him in jail, and ultimately they kind of finagle things through his wife, and, uh, and John lost his life over this occasion. But I want you to see, this was a man that had courage to speak the truth. And he had courage to speak it when, when that, that which represented the, the, the forces of the civil society stood against him. That's exactly what the president of Chick-fil-A did. Now, he might not have been talking to, to the religious leaders of his day, per se, but that's exactly what he did, is he didn't just share a personal opinion. He just simply said, I believe what the Bible says about marriage and who can marry and who can't marriage, and all hell broke loose against him. Now, uh, Christians are afraid to speak out for a number of reasons. We just are. And I think one reason why Christians are have been part of the silent majority is in many, many occasions we don't know what the Bible has to say. We either don't know what it has to say or we don't believe that the Bible is authoritative. Now listen, this same-sex marriage debate has really taken off in the last few years, but let's go back to abortion, 1973, Roe versus Wade. Uh, It's one thing to sit in church to say, I believe in life, but it's another thing if you get pregnant. And uh, you don't know what to do, and you're a teenager, or you're whatever the case is. It's an unwanted pregnancy. And, and listen, I've been there th- firsthand, okay, so I'm not throwing rocks. It's one thing when it touches you in a very personal way, what you believe. But in our world as Christians today, it's almost like we let the society uh, tell us how to think. We believe the arguments of society. For example, uh, uh, how how are you going to know, how are you going to decide whether gay marriage is is right or wrong? If that ever came to a vote in Arkansas or Texas, or or you had to make some stand, how would you you come to your conclusions? Would you just begin to go on the Internet and search for reasons? Would you... uh, Would you... For example, like our president, when he came out in support, he said, I've got people in our White House that are in uh, same-sex relationships, they're raising their kids, they're great people, and you know what, I'm sure they are great people, Mr. President, but we don't determine right and wrong based on what other people are doing, come on, or what the majority says or even how we feel. And, And Christians need to know what the Bible has to say about the subject because we may well be held accountable by God one day for the fact whether we have shared the truth with people or not. So one reason is because of, I think, our ignorance and our unwittingly allowing culture to shape our thinking, come on, rather than the scripture to determine what we do. But the second reason, I think the the, the culture has taken over the language. And just like you heard the guy going through the drive-thru, a little extra hate on your early morning sandwich sure makes it taste good. So anyone in the room like to be called a hate monger? Anybody like to sell? someone tell you that that's just hate speech that you're doing? You're working for a corporation that has hate values. You're a bigot. Nobody likes to hear that. Nobody likes to hear that. And I think sometimes the language has shut us down. But listen, the words are not true. you realize even our our newspaper, the Texarkana Gazette, on Thursday, when they showed a picture of the local Chick-fil-A, they tell me they had police cars directing traffic. There were so many people. But here's what our paper said. Our paper said patrons waited close to an hour before getting their food in a show of support of Kathy's comments in opposition to the gay community. His comments were not in opposition to the gay community. He was not anti-gay. He was pro-God. He was not anti-gay. He was pro-Bible. He simply believed what the Bible says. And that's huge. But somehow the people of SMART turn the language around and you're anti... It's not anti-gay. Listen, this message is motivated in my heart because I love gay people. Listen. Listen. I love you whatever your trouble is in life, but I love you enough to tell you the truth. Listen, I was working in my yard yesterday, and I, I had some big gum trees I cut down, and uh, uh, they're sending up all their little cousins to retaliate against me now. So I've got <laughs> saplings growing everywhere. And I was out on my knees kind of cutting them down and putting some poison on them, but I was really leery because I had I killed a copperhead snake about that long in the driveway couple days before, and I'm thinking his brother's out there and he may be upset at me. Now, so I'm being real careful. If I had my kid out there, if Rebecca was out there in the yard and I knew there was a snake in a particular area, I would warn her about that snake. I would say, honey, be careful. Don't go there because there's a snake there. You be careful when you go outside because I love her. And if you love somebody, you will tell them the truth. And if people are going in opposition to what God teaches, they're about to be getting bitten by a copperhead snake. Come on. The Bible says the devil is like an angel of light, and he is a deceiver of people. Well, that's what we're talking about, about speaking the truth. That's exactly what he did to John the Baptist. Now, let me give you Acts chapter 5, a second scripture. Peter and John now, they're arrested because they simply have been preaching Christ. Christ. Verse 27, early in the book of Acts, the same Jewish leaders that crucified Jesus are jealous now because they hadn't shut them down and there's thousands of believers everywhere. So they go to attack the leadership. Notice in verse 27, they sat Peter and John before the council and the high priest questioned them. He said, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. Now, they had a choice they had to make. There was a line drawn in the sand. Jesus had been crucified by these people. They either were going to back down from what they had to say or they were going to go forwards. Notice what what their response was in verse 29. Peter and the apostle answered, say this with me. We must obey God rather than men. And I suggest to you, we're in that phase in America today where Christians must have the courage not to stand against people, but to stand for truth because you love them enough. Come on, you want to see them rescued and delivered from the snare that binds them. And they didn't just say we were again... Look at verse 30. They began to talk about Jesus. The God of our fathers raised Jesus whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. That's pretty gutsy. That's pretty gutsy to be in the people in the face of the people who have the authority they could have you taken out... But he's preaching Christ. God exalted him in his right hand as leader and savior. We're witnesses to these things. Well, guess what, friends? We're witnesses to the same things. You and I are called to be a witness for Christ. We're not just called to believe some things about the Bible. We're called to be followers of Christ himself. Uh, There is a cultural pressure in America today to silence the voice of the church. Let me say it again. There's a pressure in America today to silence the voice of the church. There is broadly an antichrist spirit that drives the things that our nation is dealing with, pushing us away from God. The world, is, the world will tolerate you and I inside the walls of this building. But how I many know that's not where the light begins to shine? God wants us out in the world. And our only options are in today's society is we can be silent and do nothing or say nothing, we can be intimidated into silence, or we can somehow conform to the thinking of the world, or we can stand up and have the courage to say the truth. And this is not just the preacher's responsibility. How many know it's every one of us? Punch your neighbor and say, you're a preacher of the gospel too. See, the word preacher actually is translated communicator. When Matthew, or Matthew 28, go into all the world and preach the gospel, that word preach is the word communicate. And somehow we've come to believe it's the preacher's job to be the communicator. It's all our jobs to be the communicator. Well, guess what? That is exactly what Mr. Cathy did. In his interview, he went on to say this. He said these words. He said, I think we're inviting God's judgment on our nation when we shake our fist at Him. It's like he's saying, there's copperhead snakes out in that yard. And when you walk out there barefoot unawares, you're inviting judgment when we shake our fist at God and say, we know better than you about what constitutes a marriage. Well, some people may get mad, and that's what you saw this week. But guess what? Some people may get turn their hearts to God and be saved. I cannot be responsible for people's response to the gospel. I can be responsible for my presentation of it. And I encourage you today, friends, join me and be someone who speaks the truth in love. If you care about people, that's what you'll do. Now, let me kind of wrap this up. Why is this important? Why, why do we take this position, Pastor? Jesus said these words in John's Gospel, John chapter 8, when he talked about the power of his word to change lives. In John eight thirty one, Jesus said to the Jews who would believed in him, Jesus said, If you abide in my word... Talking about the teachings of Christ. We're talking broadly of the Scripture. If you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples, and listen to this, you will know the truth. That's exactly right. The truth will set you free. Now, isn't that exactly what that guy in that drive up theater needs? He needs the truth to set him free. And that's, my friend, is what America needs. America needs the truth to set us free. Just like I needed truth when I was a 19-year-old kid, going my own way, doing my own thing, living a happy, carefree life, but going as fast away from God as I could. I needed that Gideon to come to meet me in my dark, in my hour when I was running from God and say, God wants to change your life. If you'll give him a chance, if you'll let his word begin to guide your life, he'll give you a brand new life. And I'm here to tell you, 30-some years later, it works. Come on, give the Lord a good hand this morning it's the truth that will set people free you know I'll close with this thought Jesus said that we as his followers were the light of the world don't you think about light he said we're the light of the world and he said you don't hide your light under a bushel basket it's like it's dark outside and when you turn a flashlight on you don't put it in your pocket but what you do with it is you let it begin to shine and you put that light when you light a lamp Its purpose in the room is not just to create atmosphere, ladies. Its purpose is to give light so you can see. And you don't cover it up with a blanket. What you do is you put it in a place where the world can see. Because America, friends, is in darkness. America is headed the wrong direction. And what God wants you and I as believing people to be is people who bring the light, who bring guidance, who bring direction, who bring truth to a world that's searching. And my encouragement to you this morning is eat more chicken... And share the truth in love. Come on. Because that's what it's all about. That we are God's ambassadors. Loving people. But loving them enough to tell the truth. Come on. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning. i want to have a time of prayer with you. Well, the Lord's good, isn't He? You know, I'm a believer very much that the Bible is not just a book of history. It is doctrine. But it's not just a book of doctrine. The Bible provides guidance for our everyday life. The Bible has guidance to help put a marriage back together. The Bible has guidance to help you raise godly kids. The Bible has guidance just like it does for, uh, for the Kathy family and Chick-fil-A as Christians, the owners of Hobby Lobby, the owner of interstate batteries, lots of Christian people that have great American corporations that learn godly principles and they apply them every day of their life. You see, the Bible works, but we have to be willing to turn our hearts and begin to follow it. So here I want to pray with you this morning uh, and I want to ask you this question as you might just take this time to be with God. You see, the Bible tells us that we're not just to listen to it but we're to do what it says. So here's my question this morning. What has the Holy Spirit been speaking to you about? My great prayer every time we gather is that there would be a voice within my voice. The voice of God taking my feeble words and somehow communicating some truth to you. What is God saying to you? Are you one of those that are just afraid, that you don't open your mouth, that you're not engaging? Maybe God wants to nudge you out into the battle. Maybe, maybe you don't really know that much of the Bible. Maybe today is your time to make a commitment that you're going to begin to be a Bible reader every day and you're going to study to know God's Word. Maybe the Holy Spirit convicted you because there's parts of your sexual life that are, that are out of order. And you need to ask for God's forgiveness and then you need to repent and you need to turn and follow Christ's way. Listen, if you turn to God, He'll never turn you away, push you away, or throw you away. He comes today with an offer of mercy that if you will turn from your old ways and follow Him, He'll give you a brand new life. I don't know what it may be. Maybe you've got some self-righteousness in your heart. Maybe there's some pride. You need to ask God to forgive you for the way you've perhaps treated people. I don't know what it is. But you just take a minute and say, Holy Spirit, I want to be the person you want me to be. I'm like that piece of clay on the potter's wheel. And Lord, you're the potter. And if you need to stop the wheel and mash it down and start all over with my life, I give you the right to start all over. But I want to live a life that's pleasing to you. Because I don't know how long I'm going to live, but one day I'm going to stand before you and I want to hear you say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. So I just surrender my my life to you this morning. Come on, slip your hands to heaven right now. Just say, Lord, I surrender to you. I want want your ways to be my ways. I want to live in a way that pleases you. All of us today, Lord, join together. We ask for your forgiveness for the things we've done wrong. Lord, I want to ask you, Lord, to that man in that video. We want to pray for him right now. We want to pray that, Lord, he would come to the saving knowledge of Christ. He lost his job. But I want to pray that in this pause of life, that somebody that will love him and lead him to Christ, that the truth will set him free. We just bless you this morning. Thank God. i want to close this way. We're going to have one, one final song we'll sing through and we'll be free to be dismissed. Um, I'm going to have a little guest reception if you're new in the church. I'd love to talk to you right across the hall. Wednesday night, I hope if you're new, you'll come to that Connect class if you're wanting to get a little more involved in our church. But right now, I want to give you an opportunity for to take just a minute for prayer. Because maybe there was something that maybe you should have come earlier for prayer and you didn't. We'll pray for you now. But maybe something in the message has really spurred spurred you and you feel like you need a personal time with somebody to just say, I've got a struggle, I've got a need, something God's been dealing with me about. Let us pray for you. But perhaps most importantly this morning, maybe you're here and, and your great need is to get right with God. You don't know if you died today, if you'd go to heaven or hell, but, but, but something that you've just sensed in your heart. It, God was like calling you, and he called you to church this morning, and, and you feel as you've, you know we're singing songs about surrendering to God. You know what your number one need is to surrender your life to Christ. You know your number one need is to come to God and ask for forgiveness for your sins, to become a Christian, to be saved, to be born again, to turn from the way you used to live and turn your heart to God. I did it on August fifteenth, 1976, raised in church, but it just never took. But when I surrendered my life to Christ, it changed me forevermore. So I wonder if you're here today and you say, Pastor, that's what I need. I need God's fresh start. I want to turn my life over to Him, and I want His promise of eternal life for me. If that's you, would you just lift your hand real quickly so I'll know who you are so we can pray for you real quickly this morning and so say, pray for me. I need to get right with God this morning. Anybody come over in in the back there. God bless you. Give them a hand. and Give her a hand. Someone here. Give her a hand. Give her a hand. Somebody else say pray for me. I need to get right with God this morning. Somebody in the center. Pray for me. I want to get my life right with God. Anybody else this morning? Pray for me. I want to get my life right with Christ. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have our prayer team come now for one last song. You that lifted your hands, please come and talk to us. We want to give you something. We want to pray with you. Uh, And if you want to, should have lifted your hand, you come too. We'll come for prayer this morning as people committing their life to Christ as well. Give the Lord a good hand. And I want our prayer team to come right now. And uh, let's just begin to sing this song. And we'd be honored to pray for you this morning. I love you. And I hope we will see you Wednesday night. Come let us pray for you. And you that raised your hand, you come on up too. We'll help you make your step to Christ.